0: Welcome to The Whole Steward, the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. I'm your host, Andrew Stanton, and I'm glad you've joined. The foundation upon which Western society was built is slowly but surely being chipped away and destroyed. That which so many worked so hard and gave their lives for is vanishing through the cracks of sin. Preservation is hard work, yet you must recognize the eternal effects of our earthly stewardship. Let's take a look at the culture war today on The Whole Steward. Welcome to episode number 18. I'm thankful you're listening. I have to say I'm very excited. We've breached 500 downloads and listeners from six different countries. Whoever you are out there, I thank you. This is an exciting thing for me because I'm talking about things that interest me and are important to me. And if you're listening and you find them interesting too, let me know. I would love to hear from you. Uh, Send in a topic that you'd like to hear about. Maybe we can cover it on The Whole Steward. Today, let's take a look at the culture war. And I want to start with a verse from Psalm 46. That's verse 10. And it reads like this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is a psalm by the sons of Korah, and God is saying that he will be exalted in all the earth. Now, sometimes you may look around at our society today and you may think, God is not being exalted in the things that are happening. Many of the things that are an attack on our culture and our heritage are against God and his will, are not things that bring him glory, but God still will be exalted. He will be exalted in all the earth. Now, what is our engagement as Christians, as stewards of our culture? What level of? Of involvement, should we have? We're going to look at that today. Now, 1 Timothy 2 1 through 2 is an instruction to Christians on how to pray for their leaders. It reads like this First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So, let me ask you this. What is required in the society to live a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way? What does society need to look like? What laws and regulations need to be in place? What Cultural norms should be a given. These things are the things that are required to be in place to live a peaceful and quiet life. And so if government and society is going to allow us to do that, there are certain foundational truths that the culture must be built upon. And it's one thing to pray for something, but not do anything about it. It's another thing to pray for something and help work towards that. For example, if I was praying to the Lord to help me in my quiet times in the morning, my meditation on scripture, or my sanctification, but then... I myself just refuse to do it. I refuse to pray in the morning. I refuse to work toward sanctification. Then I'm really not pursuing that which I'm praying for. We ought to be pursuing that which we pray for, if indeed it's a good thing. And here, Paul is exhorting the church through the pastor, Timothy, who was the pastor of the Ephesian church that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. So you can be praying for all people, but specifically, he says, for kings and all who are in high positions. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you prayed for President Joe Biden? When's the last time you prayed for the governor of your state? or your senators, or your congressmen? When's the last time you prayed for your local leaders, like the mayor of your city? See, we ought to be praying for those who are in high positions. Why? Because they have tremendous influence over our daily lives, over that which is good or bad in the culture they often say politics trails the culture. And that very well may be true because in our society, we have the ability to vote. We have the ability to have our say in who is in office. And if you have these people in office who are reflecting viewpoints and policies and ideology that you do not agree with, Just know that it's still a reflection of your culture today. So let's jump into some of the ways that I believe and the whole steward should recognize the culture needs to be fashioned around to allow you and to allow me to live a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. First of all, honor of God. Think about that. There is a huge push, and there has been for especially the last hundred years, to remove God from every area of public life. But is that right? Is that correct? Does God want your religion, your spirituality, to be only between you and him alone, privately? To a certain extent, you do not live your life before men for the praise of men, but what is good and right and honorable, the name of God, whether it's exalted or blasphemed, is and should be a centerpiece of the culture. Now, we know that sin taints those who live on this earth. It permeates many areas, and the honor of God now has been slowly taken away. For example, in our culture, the number of times that I hear the name of God taken in vain whether it's in movies, TV, on YouTube, in books, or even in the workplace. The name of God is His honor. And that's why one of the commandments, the third commandment, is you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Why? Because that name stands for all that He is. And all that he does. And if you take it in vain, you are dishonoring the God of all creation, the God of the universe, the one who is worthy to be exalted among the nations, to be exalted in all the earth. And yet, you see in our culture today that his name is not held in high esteem, it is dragged through the mud, it is used as a filth word it is substituted for four-letter cuss words. This ought not to be, and we ought to be a shining light, the salt of the earth, to try and bring honor back to the name of God, back to everything that He stands for, in the public square, not just privately in your own home. Another institution that's been attacked but is foundational for a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, is marriage. From the very beginning, from Genesis chapter 1 and 2, marriage is to be held in high esteem. God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And Jesus adds, What God therefore has brought together, let no man separate. What do we see in our culture today, though? Marriage has been destroyed. It's been devalued. It's been changed. You see, we do not hold marriage in high esteem in our culture in general. Men and women live together without getting married. No problem. Sometimes they get married, and many times they get divorced. Divorce is rampant in our culture. And you can see why, well, if you're going to get married and then just get divorced, why get married at all? You just live like you're married, which is, by the way, called fornication. You have marital relations. You live together. But that is not what God intended. That will not bring peace to society. It will not bring godliness or dignity. If marriage is broken down, one of the core foundations of society is broken down. And the problems that come from that are endless, and we're yet to see all of them. Although we've seen one of the biggest tolls that it has is on children. You see, children coming from broken families, it ought not to be the case. And that leads me to the next piece, which is family. The nuclear family has been devalued. It's been all but destroyed. There's no reason anymore that you need a father and a mother and children. They would say that that is a relic that needs to be done away with. And they've certainly done that by taking one of the core principles that God instituted away from the family. And that is the education of your children. Hey there, it's Andrew. I pour a lot into The Whole Steward, and I'm so humbled you're listening. Did you know I regularly post new articles to our website? I also send the Holistic Approach to Wealth newsletter once a week, to which you can subscribe at thewholesteward.com newsletter. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on the show, would you share it with a friend or leave us a review? I'd really appreciate it. Oh, and thanks for listening. Your children, as God saw it, were to be educated by the parents. It's the father and the mother that are to teach their children on a daily basis the law of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the character of God. All of these things are to be taught by the parents. But what has our society done? Well, they've taken the kids out of the family or the context of learning within the family and put it under the context of socialized education. The government or government employees are now in charge of educating your children. This is a very dangerous thing because you may say, well, they're just learning math and they're just learning English and... Uh, science, and all these things. The worldview, I guarantee, of the teachers, of the children, come out in how they learn math and English and science and the social sciences and all those things. The worldview will come out. And if the worldview that is taught and indoctrinated, really, into the children is a humanistic, godless worldview, then where will dignity and godliness have its place? Where will peace and a quiet life have its place? No, that paves the way for sin and a godless society. Sin will render the opposite of all these things. It will... Render the opposite of peace, the opposite of a quiet life, the opposite of godliness and dignity. How about another one? Now we see another institution that was created by God being fundamentally broken down and overridden in our society, and that is gender. Something as simple and as obvious and as scientific as gender is now being broken down, redefined, undefined. We don't even know what it is. If you haven't seen the documentary by Matt Walsh called What is a Woman? I highly recommend you check that out. People don't really even know what is a woman, what is a man, what does that even mean? From the very beginning, God made them male and female man, and wife. You break that down, and you fundamentally break down the biblical, godly foundations of the culture and of the society. And trust me, it will not be a peaceful and quiet life when these things break down. For example, how can I, and I, I have a young daughter, she's eight years old, how can I take her in public and send her into the woman's bathroom and know that there won't be a man in there doing something perverted, doing something undignified, ungodly, and it will not lead to peace and a quiet life. These things are very important, and they hit very close to home, especially for those of us who are raising children in this society. Here's another one. Property rights. Property rights are fundamentally biblical, and they lead to a lot of order in society, peace, and dignity. However, we see that being broken down as well. For example, the economic forum says, you will own nothing and you will be happy. This new agenda that's being pushed, and I'm I'm sure this isn't the first time you're hearing it, but if it is, look it up. Cultures and countries around the world are pursuing this to basically redefine what God intends for society. Property rights are very basic. Here's another one, justice. Have you ever noticed how justice is perverted by sinful men? In our society, justice is kind of a toss-up now. Once in a while, we see a victory for justice. And other times, we see a complete injustice. And yet, it's accepted. It's fine. The culture just says, oh, well, you know, there goes another one. Oh, well. The founding fathers of the American experiment understood the importance of this and baked a lot of provision into the Constitution for and surrounding justice for the individual because it's so vitally important. And God is a God of justice. He loves justice. And if a nation or a society perverts justice, that is not glorifying to him. Here's another one, purity. I talked a little bit about purity around marriage, but what about purity in general? What about a culture who suddenly or gradually accepts pornography as totally okay? And what I mean by that is, not only is it all over the internet and movies and television, but it's on billboards, it's at the beach, it's at the pool, it's Everywhere. A friend of mine once said, Hey, you know, they tell me I need to be able to go down to the beach and, you know, not look at the women. He goes, They're naked. This is a big problem for society when the lack of purity becomes just normal. What about purity of heart, purity of speech, purity in your sexuality, purity? In so many things. You see how important it is for a peaceful and quiet life? If you have a society that is permeated with impurity, you will not have a peaceful and quiet life. How about fiscal responsibility? You see right now, the absolute irresponsibility of our kings and those in high position. We need fiscal responsibility, and we are not witnessing it. You are seeing a massive spending spree by a society which is fat on the luxuries that these foundational principles, I would argue, have provided, and now being so rich and so bloated that we are are being completely irresponsible fiscally. This debt is being borrowed from those who are future generations, from my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. We see the socialization of the education system. We see socialization of retirement saving, like Social Security. We see the socialization of medicine, Medicare, Medicaid, and most recently, mandated vaccines and the production of those vaccines. If you can call it a vaccine, it's actually gene therapy being paid for by the government, by the public sector, and then mandated upon... People who would prefer not to get them. Maybe not mandated, but coerced, at least. Saying, if you don't get it, you'll lose your job. That's coercion. That's not informed consent. And most recently, we see the socialization of the financial system. You see these banks that are failing. The next one now is... First Republic Bank, it's going under just like Silicon Valley Bank. You see the socialization of the banking system. Watch out. You will see, and everybody's concerned about, oh, CBDCs, you know, those are bad. Like Ron DeSantis in Florida right now is outlawing CBDC. Well, that's central bank digital currency, and they can see the problem with it. But it's like a frog boiling in hot water because those in charge of socializing the financial system want you to think that CBDC is this thing that it would be very obvious that it was being pushed upon the people. And of course, they would push back on that like a Fed coin or something like that. But keep in mind that the dollar... The U.S. dollar is already a digital currency. Most of the transactions in the U.S. are in dollars and they're digital transactions. For example, if you swipe your credit card or your debit card or you do a wire transfer, those are all digital transactions. So the dollar is already digital. So it's already a digital currency. But what we're missing is the centralization of that currency. And keep in mind, we are witnessing that centralization right now. As the banks fail, what they're going to come out and say is look, you know, the banking system is not working for us anymore. We need to move the people's deposit accounts to the Federal Reserve. Right now, it's illegal for the Federal Reserve to hold direct deposits from people, they loan the currency that they create into existence by loaning it to the government in the form of buying U.S. Treasuries, Treasury bonds, and then the government spends it into circulation in Main Street. But what we see now is the possibility that they would say, well, we need to move The deposits to the Federal Reserve. And you can have a bank account, just like you would have a bank account with Bank of America now, or Chase, or the San Diego County Credit Union. You can have a bank account directly at the Federal Reserve. And of course, we all know the Federal Reserve can't go bust because they can create currency whenever they need to. But keep in mind how insidious that is, because now The banking system is centralized. There is a central clearinghouse for those transactions. And now they can monitor all the transactions. Your transactions would not be anonymous to the financial institutions that you're working with. They would be in a centralized location. And what would happen is, now they could enforce through financial and monetary means the policies that they put in place for example with the climate agenda if they say hey you've driven your car too many miles this week you've used up your carbon credits or whatever they call it now you can't your your credit card doesn't work at the gas station or maybe they don't like what you say on your podcast, or they don't like the places that you visit to eat because they serve too much meat and they want to do away with meat as a staple. You see, now with a centralized currency, a centralized clearinghouse, they would be able to enact the social credit score. Sort of a way of grading your performance in society. And of course, those policies, they most likely will not agree with the honor of God, upholding marriage, upholding the family, proper education, gender, property rights, justice, purity fiscal responsibility, none of those things will be upheld by those who are central planners. This is why it's important to be aware and to fight back. Now, how do we fight back? Well, number one, take care of yourself internally first. Know, believe, and enact good holistic stewardship Know the Lord through His Son, Jesus Christ. Know how you are managing your personal affairs, your household. Do it right. Peacefully, quietly, godly, and dignified in every way. Pray for our leaders that they would do the same and that they would allow us to live that way. And then trust God. Know that God is in control. He doesn't lose sight of what's happening. He doesn't shrink back from being in charge. But know that He is the final victor. He will enact justice, and He will judge the earth in His good timing. Listen to Acts 10. 34 to 35. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now, what is right? What is acceptable? Well, number one, to honor and obey and trust in his son, Jesus Christ and then to know that he is the sovereign judge, the one who is just and pure and righteous, and then to live for him, to do what is right. Listen to Acts 17, where Paul was preaching at Athens. Starting in verse 26, he says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind, to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. You see, God has appointed the allotted periods and boundaries of the nation's dwelling places. He wants them to seek him and perhaps feel their way toward him. Yet he is not far off. He has revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ. And he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. That man by whom he will do that judgment is the one whom he raised from the dead. Who is that? Well, that's Jesus Christ. Jesus will be that judge. Listen to Micah 4, 3-4. He shall judge between many peoples. He shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Rest in that glorious, sovereign day when God does this great work. But in the meantime, pray for our leaders That they would allow us to live quiet and peaceful lives, dignified and godly in every way, and work in the society and in the culture, which is the only thing that allows you to function as you do. If you drive down the street and the light turns red and you stop at the red light and someone else's light turns green and they go, the basic core principles at work there of a lawful society is what makes it work. When you walk into the grocery store and you want to buy a bag of chips, what makes that work is the underlying foundation of biblical principles like working hard for your money and your food and not stealing. These things are the things that make your life on a daily basis defined, whether it's peaceful or not. And you can still live godly, even though the society is pushing in against you with ungodliness. But you can also be that salt and that light, the one who does not accept foolishness and folly to be defined as good and okay and right. You can be the one who speaks of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the atoning work on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin that we might be reconciled to him and have even the ability to be sanctified, to Turn our hearts toward what is good and right and acceptable and pleasing to God. Remember, you have nine forms of capital under your care. That is spiritual capital, your living capital, your intellectual capital, your experiential capital, your relationships, your culture, your material, your finances, and your time. Be a whole steward. Do a good job in all of those areas. Today we looked at mostly the cultural capital that we have. But don't neglect any one area. Thank you for listening. Until next week, now that you know more, go out and grow more. All content on The Whole Steward is for informational purposes only. and must not be considered personal, professional, tax, or legal advice. Please consult an appropriate professional for individualized advice. Though we do our best to bring you reliable information, we make no guarantee on its accuracy. So you must rely on your own due diligence to draw your own conclusions. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own and may not represent that of the host. Please visit our website for complete terms and conditions. Thanks for joining us today for The Holistic Approach to Wealth from a Christian Worldview. This show is brought to you by thewholesteward.com.